Welcome to Gethsemane Church. I'm Pastor Mark Lowe. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. We hope today's service will inspire you, challenge you, and encourage you. For more information about our church, please go to GethsemaneChurchG3.com. God bless and enjoy the service. Happiness and being joyful. Amen. Did you know that? Happiness is, the, is what you feel in the moment that you're in and right, right then, right? So whatever brings you happiness right then. Joy is something that stays with you long after happiness is gone. Amen? There's a difference between the two. And so the world that we live in today, I've noticed a lot of people are happy, at least in the moment you're sitting there talking to them. In fact, how many people do you walk up to every day and say, how are you doing today? They say, well, it's just terrible, right? I mean, there's a few people that do that, right? There's a few honest people. And there's some folks that just love misery, right? So you just got to overlook that, right? You got you to throw out the highs and the lows and get to an average. Most people are going to tell you, oh, everything's going just fine. You know, I'm great. Everything's going well, even though they may not be going well, right? And I will tell you this. Did you know CNN uh, and the Gallup poll did a survey in February of 2022? And they found that um, only 38% of Americans consider themselves to be joyful or happy. Only 38% of them that they find found themselves joyful or happy. Now, they attributed a lot of that to the coronavirus, of course, and the separation and segregation and all that stuff that took place during that time caused a lot of sadness and anxiety that some people still hadn't got over, right? Some people still hadn't got over that. But it goes a little bit deeper than just the coronavirus. It goes a little bit deeper than just not liking the job you work at. Right? True joy, again, can only be found in one place. And being in church, tell me where that's at. God, that's right. That's right, in God. We're going to talk about it a little bit. And it's almost become so taboo to say that, that you could hear the response in the church. I heard three or four people say, God. Now, all of us probably thought it, but you see how the world has gotten each one of us to the point that we're almost so sad or so scared to say, God or Jesus or talk about joy and most people are scared to talk about happiness and joy in the Lord because they're scared they're going to lose it right we're fearful that if I talk about it enough right that something bad's going to happen in fact how many of you have ever said this you ask somebody how's things going well they're going well I don't want to say is that right because I'm scared if I say everything's going well something bad's going to happen is that right I'm telling you most all of us have done that have you not we don't want to say everything's going good because we're scared everything's going to go wrong. So we're always just a little on edge, a little fearful, right? We're happy in the moment, but we're not really joyful about everything in our lives. So I want to touch base on that here today and talk to you a little bit about joy. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 through 9, I believe this will be on the board if I gave them the right scriptures. I'm terrible about that, y'all, and I apologize. The Bible says this in verse 7. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. I want you to underline that, right? That the trying of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. Look, the beginning of joy starts with some difficulty. Amen? Trials that happen in you and in my life and in your life aren't always bad. I've talked about this many, many times. Our trials help you and I to grow, grow in our faith. In faith in what? And in God. 
Amen? Which is where true joy can be found. You answered that here just a few minutes ago. But he clearly is telling them here, he's trying to lift up the church, much like today, right in the world we live, there's so much negativity, so much worry, so much concern, so much consuming us, that if we're not careful, we'll allow the enemy to steal our joy. This was happening here, it appears as well, during the apostles' time. No, nothing's, no new thing under the sun, right? The Bible teaches us that. What was will happen again. So Satan's job is to keep you and I downtrodden, to keep us unhappy, to keep our joy from us, because he feels like if he can steal our joy, then we're not going to be effective in the kingdom of God. This is why you see so many Christians walking around like we've been sucking on lemons for a week. Amen? Who wants to be a Christian? Honestly, when you walk up to somebody and they just look like they'll gnaw your head off if you say anything to them. Right? Some people come to church and they see us in a church setting, then they see us somewhere else, and they want to walk up and say something to you, but it's almost like you have been possessed since Sunday morning till Monday morning. Your countenance has changed, everything has changed. They walk up to you and they're scared to say anything because you got that look. Is that right? Christians are just sometimes awful, right? I've talked to people before and, and just be talking to them about the Lord, and, they, and, and they're telling you about, it's supposed to be their testimony, and they're talking to you, right? And they're telling you they're saved. They're telling you how much they love the Lord. But it don't come out that way, right? I was saved when I was 18 years old. Serve the Lord 40 years. <laughs> right? They're just sad, right? And then they, and they're just giving you, you got to go through some things, son. It'll be all right. Just toughen up a little bit, you know? And, <laughs> you know, these, these, these modern Christians today think it's just supposed to be bells and whistles. Right? And they're just negative. But, you know, it's, it's, that's not the guy you want to be around, right? No one to be around them. Their joy has been stolen for some reason. But Peter here is telling the church, he said, Look, the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Praise and honor and glory, he said, at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, in verse 8, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet, he said, ye believe. You rejoice with what? Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen? We are to rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So you have to define what joy is in order to understand what we're supposed to be doing that's so, that is so good it's unspeakable and full of glory. True joy is unspeakable. Amen? Would you agree with that? Yes. True joy that is found in Christ is unspeakable. What do you mean? It's hard to explain to somebody what it means to be joyful in the Lord. It really is. It's hard to explain that, especially in the world we live today, because so much of Christianity has been tainted by folks that say they're Christians, but they're not. Right? It's made it difficult for true Christians to reach other people. And when people see true joy in somebody, they think it's fake or it's false. Right? You'll hear things like, that's just a holy roller. That's just somebody that thinks they're better than you and I. Or they'll think you're crazy, right, because you walk around smiling all the time. Nothing bothers you. When something bad happens in your life, you just say, well, praise God anyway. Is that right? That's a hard thing to swallow when you walk up to somebody that a tragedy just happened in their life and you see them worshiping God or see them saying, praise God. You've, you've heard me say this, but if you missed the testimony of Brother Joey and Sister Jeannie last Saturday, you missed a blessing. Amen? But... That was true joy and true worship. That's joy that's unspeakable and full of glory when their daughter was laying in front of them 10 feet from them, their only daughter who had just lost her life, 
and they stood and worshiped God in the middle of that service. That's hard for people to understand. But that's joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. They can't tell you why that happened. It just rose up in them. Right? That's what happens. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? It's what causes you and I to be able to stand up when we don't think we can stand up. It's what causes you and I to be able to raise our hands and worship when we don't feel like we can do that. It's what gives us the strength to do those things that people say are supernatural. It's not supernatural. It's just super to be naturally joyful in God. Amen? That's the difference. Amen? Happiness will not cause you to do what we just talked about. Those were happy people, but happiness would not have made them stand at their feet and worship God. Joy in knowing that their Savior was in control is what caused that. Not just in the situation, but in their lives. Amen? You with me? True joy. And Peter is talking to him about that. This joy that he's speaking of is unspeakable and full of glory. You can't define it. You can't tell people about it. We're going to try to define it here today. But I want you to understand today, if you're really going to know true joy, you've got to know joy. Right? You've got to know who the joy is that the Bible is speaking of. And that's the only way you really be able to define it. Everybody's definition of joy is different because Christ blesses all of us the same. But how you explain that joy to somebody is called a testimony. Amen? And my testimony is different than your testimony. My joy is a little different than your joy, but it's all joy. Amen? You with me? The last verse here, he says, it's unspeakable and full of glory. Then he said in verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Amen. That, those three verses explain truly what joy is. Let me give you Webster's, what Webster says joy is. It is an emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. An emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. Amen? I want to clarify that just a little bit. In the Christian world, joy is not an emotion. Joy is an experience. Amen? Although our emotions are moved by our joy, it's it's not the emotion that causes it. It's what's in us that causes us to be moved Right? To that kind of happiness and that kind of joy can only be found in a relationship with Christ. It is extraordinarily satisfying to have Christ in your life. If you've never been saved, it's hard for me to stand up here and tell you how that feels. But I can tell you that anything in this life that I have ever done to try to bring myself happiness, it does not compare to what I'm talking about. The joy of the Lord being saved by grace, experiencing the blood of Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice for sin, the Son of of God, the King of the world, right? The Messiah, the the lily of the the valley, right? The, The Lion of Judah, whatever you want to call Him, right? Jesus. Happiness that you find in this world will not compare to that. In fact, I believe I can say to you today as a minister of the gospel, if you took everything that brought me happiness in this life and you put it together, it does not compare to the day that I gave my heart to Christ. I've never experienced anything that great before in my life and never have I since. I've, I've, I've experienced a lot of great times in the Lord, but that night that I knelt beside my bed and asked Jesus into my heart, 
that overwhelming feeling that I felt of Christ coming into my life, I cannot explain that to you, but it was utopia. Amen? It was the greatest thing. I did not want it to leave, and it hasn't left. But to say to you that I still feel that every moment that great, I would tell you a lie because I don't. Right? I'm in a battle every day just like you are, but there's moments that I still feel that same thing. And I know He's with me, and I know that joy is there. Yes, I get mad. Absolutely, I get mad. I do. I get frustrated. I get, I get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Right? I, I get upset too. Right? I say things I shouldn't say. I do things I shouldn't do. But there's joy in my heart. Amen? And the Lord checks me and He keeps me, right, where I need to be with Him. But that joy is extraordinary. And it's one of those things that I think everybody needs to experience. In fact, this joy that I want to talk to you about has been cheapened so much by the world. Right? I mean, Three Dog Night, I believe is who it was, sung what? Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Was that right? It was a Three Dog Night. Somebody like that. Right? Joy to the world. All the boys and girls. And y'all know it. Amen? I ain't the only one. <laughs> but the joy that they were singing about is not the same joy that Jesus is talking about. <laughs> Amen? Right? But the world has tried to define it, but it's been cheapened so much, right, that you see television commercials and everything that we try to sell now tries to sell it as it, man, if you have this vehicle, if you get you an electric Ford Lightning F-150 pickup truck, four-wheel drive, you will find joy, Sister Christie. I will have joy. <laughs> I have one of those. <laughs> Prophesying. In the name of Jesus, <laughs> joy, right? If you, if you lose that 25 pounds, Pastor Mark, you'll have joy. I don't know about that, but I'll have room in my shirt. <laughs> and that is joyful. Amen. <laughs> right? See what I'm saying? If you... If you, if you uh, if you make this amount of money, you will be happy and joyful. We sell everything. Watch everything they're selling on TV. There's always a big old grin with pearly white teeth, right? We're selling the best, right? You always have the, the best looking people, the, the finest looking stuff. Everything is being sold that if you have this in your life, you will be joyful. I will tell you, you will be happy for a period of time. But when the first payment due on that lightning comes... Joy cannot be found. Amen? And what you're feeling is unspeakable. But it ain't full of glory. Amen? <laughs> That's true. Man, there's a difference between happiness and joy. The world's view of joy and happiness is totally different than God's. See, this joy and happiness here will end and it will leave. The problem with measuring Joy and happiness, as I was looking for a poll, it depends on whose poll you get and what people they're talking to and what year it is. See, what that teaches us is our happiness level and our joy level is based upon how we're affected. So today I might tell you I am 100% joyful as it pertains to the things of this world. Tomorrow, when my house burns down, right, and my lightning was in the carport with it, I'm going to tell you I'm not so joyful. See what I'm saying? So it's all based on what's happening at the moment, the emotion, as I said to you. But with God, it doesn't matter if everything's going well or everything's going south. If you are solid in Christ, your joy level doesn't change. 
You with me? That's the difference. Okay? There's a difference, and that's the biggest difference. Let's look at it here. In Nehemiah chapter 8, you know the story of the book. The whole book of Nehemiah here is where the children of Israel were in bondage to a king named Artaxerxes, is how I say it. Don't know if that's right. Sounds good. Right? They were in bondage here. Palestinian rule, if you will. They had been, of course, um, had been disobedient to God as the children of Israel were many, many times. They didn't have a whole lot of glory during this time, a whole lot of happiness, because again, they were enslaved and in bondage to this foreign nation. Nehemiah here was one that found favor with the king, and he was the cupbearer, and he was in the king's presence every single day, which some people would be considered as joy, because he wasn't out there in the hot heat building bricks or whatever they were doing. He was in a nice plush place around the king, and if you're around the king, everything's good if you're the king, is that right? So he was a big part of that. So there was a lot of joy in Nehemiah's life, knowing that he was at least in a good position, a good place, but his joy would leave him every time there was a meal coming around because he feared for his life because he was the cupbearer. And the cupbearer's job was to drink the wine and taste the food to make sure it wasn't poisonous before the king ate it. Because a lot of people were trying to kill the king and become the king. So if Nehemiah croaked after sipping on a little bit of that, whatever they were drinking, the king knew not to drink it. Right? So although it was a joyful position, it was only joyful for a short period of time. Right? It was real joyful when he didn't die. Right? Imagine that. Take a little sip. You sit there a minute. Praise God. You know, that's joyful. So his emotions, his roller coaster, his joy, and his happiness were kind of up and down as it pertained to his position. It was the same way as it pertained to his position as a child of God and as an Israelite because he knew that he was with the king and he had it good, but so many of his fellow servants had it really bad, as I said to you, not only at the kingdom, not only at, in this place of, of uh, bondage, but there were some that escaped the bondage and they were back in his homeland that had been totally destroyed. The Bible speaks to the fact that the, the, the area of, of, of Jerusalem, uh, uh, the city of David, if you will, had been completely destroyed and burned to the ground. It just laid in ruins. So he was battling, you know, having, having a great position but yet being greatly stressed about the position of his family members who were not with him and the position of the land that he loved so much. So this is where he's at. He stands before God and he, he hears the news of how bad it is for his fellow uh, family members and friends who are back still around the city of David who escaped the bondage. And it just tears him up to hear how bad it is and the suffering of these people. And he cries out to God and asks for help. And you know the story. He's led to King Artaxerxes and he asked him to, to help him and God touches the king's heart and Nehemiah goes back and he's allowed to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Here in verse 8 and the rest of this book here, we, it talks about from 8 on, it talks about life in the city of Jerusalem after that point and how they were restoring the joy of the Lord. And in, in chapter 8 here you'll read, let's go down here to um, verse 10 and 11. Chapter 8 of Nehemiah. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord, neither be ye sorry. He said, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace. 
for the day is holy, neither be grieved. And it said, All the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. They had been in great distress. Their happiness was like I was talking to you. It was changed every day. If I had a meal, I was happy. If I didn't have a meal, I wasn't so joyful, right? And here they find themselves back in the city of David. The walls had been rebuilt, and now they were restoring back here the, the, the work of the Lord. This particular one was the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, which Pastor Keith and I were there during that time. And they got out there, and he, they asked for the Levites to bring the Word of God, the book of Moses, and begin to read that, right? And they were going to celebrate this Feast of, Pass uh, this Feast of Tabernacles. And the people had been in such stress for so many years that it was almost like they, they didn't know how to be joyful in the Lord. They were hearing the Word of God spoke to them again probably for the first time in many, many years because, again, they served under this, this king who had false gods. And it was against the law to do such things. So here they are in their own city. They find themselves finally free. They're sitting there. The Word of God is being spoke to them. And it was almost like their faces were just full of still distress and they couldn't let the joy come out. And so the Levites began to say to them, Look, don't be sad, be joyful, for this is the day that the Lord has made. Amen? This day is holy unto the Lord. Go, and he said, and rejoice, eat, drink, be merry, all those things. Teaching them again, restoring that joy back to them. These Levites, the pastors, the preachers of, of that day, were trying to tell the people, Look, it's never been about the city of, of, of David. It's never been about really being here. It's always been about God. It's always been about Christ in your heart. And when they heard the word, they just sat there. And I can tell you this, over the years as I've preached God's word, there have been times of great jubilation in the church. There have been times when people just got real excited about what they heard. It was a joy to hear the word of God. And let me tell you today, it is an honor to hear the word of God spoken. Amen? It's an honor. In some countries today, you still can't do that because it's illegal. And they'll lock you up and in some places take your life for it. Amen? It's an honor to hear the Word of God. And all of us in here have been blessed so much, right, that we ought to be the happiest, as I said to you earlier, people in the world. Right? There ought to be such joy in us in this world because we've been blessed so much by God in this country. We truly have. We have more than we, have more than we need. Amen? All of us have more than we need. The church today reminds me of what was happening here with Nehemiah. There's been such bondage with the coronavirus, such bondage with gas prices, such bondage with high inflation rates, such bondage with sickness like we've probably never seen it before in, in this country. Right? It seems like everywhere you turn there's sickness on every hand. That's biblical. Amen? It talks about that in the last days. There would be this type, so there'd be sicknesses everywhere, right? things that you couldn't control, people young, old, middle-aged, it didn't matter. There's such stress today, right? Families being separated, single moms, single dads trying to raise households, kids raising themselves, grandparents raising them, right? It just seems like everything's out of control. There's so much stress. Amen? So much. And so it's, it's, it's kind of like what was happening here. That's what they kind of got used to. And now they were set free, right? And the Bible said, if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. But sometimes when we get that freedom, we don't know what to do with it. Amen? They're still stuck over here in bondage under the Palestinian rule here in King Artaxerxes, although they're in their own city and they're free to worship God. The Levites here had brought back out the Word and they were reading the Word to them and they were to build these, um, 
tents, if you will, or these, these little huts. And that's what they would do. And it, what, what, what the, Feast of Pas- or the Feast of Tabernacles was all about was it was just them celebrating how God protected them and gave them that provision they needed when they were delivered out of, out of Egypt for that 40 years. And so they would celebrate that every year. Jews today, as I said to you, still do it. So here they were. They were supposed to be honoring God and worshiping. This is supposed to be a celebration, joyful for what God has done for you. But yet they sat so perplexed. I want you to listen this morning. Be real quiet. It's a sound they heard that day. Utter silence. The word of the Lord was spoken. And I'm sure the Levites were thinking, how awesome this is. Guys, we're here together. We're no longer in bondage. God has delivered God has provided. He has given us what we needed to rebuild the walls. He has given us everything we have. And here we are now, all together, worshiping here, listening to the word of God. But yet, we're not joyful. Our hearts are so burdened. Our minds have been so captured by the things of this world that we're so bound that we can't lift our voices and our heads and our hands in worship to God. Amen? The church has become silent. Our worship has been silenced by the enemy. His attack on us. We have allowed him, church, to steal our joy. Amen? We've allowed him to take the joy that his son paid a price, the ultimate price for. Amen? Amen? We've allowed our bank accounts or the lack thereof to steal our joy. We've allowed that person at work that's irritating us to destroy our joy and take our joy. Our families, somebody at church, our health, whatever it may be. And we've made that thing bigger than our God. You with me? We're here today for one reason. And that's not to celebrate Father's Day. I mean, although we are. Brother Ron said, we ain't celebrating Father's Day, I'm leaving. Just kidding. Love you, buddy. Amen? But we're not here to celebrate Father's Day. We're not here today for whatever. We're not here to be seen. We're not here to, we're not here to celebrate research, although we are. We're not here for all those other things that, we're here, that we think we're here for. We're here to worship God. That's right. That's we're here to thank Him because He has given us so much. We're here... To thank Him because of His Son Jesus dying, we might be pardoned from a hellish place that none of us want to be. Right? We're here to thank Him because we know that through the power of prayer, prayer can be answered, right? Through Christ Jesus our Lord, we can accomplish anything. We're here today because we have done that. We're here because God has blessed some of us and answered our prayers, and we're here to say thank you for that. Amen? We're here to say thank you because I woke up today and I was able to eat them three scrambled eggs and that fresh sausage and toast. I didn't, but I really wanted it. <laughs> but we're here today to say thank you, Lord, for whatever you ate, what you're going to eat here in a little bit. If you're like me, I open the cupboards of my house and I open that thing I'm saying, nothing here to eat. And the doggone shelves are bowing. 
right? They're just bowing. And I said, ain't nothing eating in here, right? <laughs> Amen. We're complaining all the time, but, but, but we're here today to worship God. And he tells us to assemble in his house like he did here with the children of Israel in Nehemiah. They were to assemble together and they were to celebrate God's blessings through this Feast of Tabernacle. And it was supposed to be a joyful time. Pastor Keith and I were in Jerusalem, as I said to you, during this time. And it was a Feast of Tabernacles. Now, I don't know that everybody was joyful. In fact, I tell you, they wasn't joyful. They weren't. They were busy. I mean, there was a bunch of people there. The Jews are supposed to return back, at least the male Jews, are supposed to return back to Jerusalem. And they're supposed to build these, these, these huts, these tents, as they called them. And they were to celebrate. Man, it was supposed to be a joyful time in Jerusalem. Lots of people, busy, hot. I mean, it was all that in a bag of chips. But I didn't see a whole lot of joy, did you? They were miserable. But that was supposed to be a time where it was just shouting in the streets, people celebrating, partying right the right way, but partying and having a good time with the Lord. But they were miserable. And when people come to the house of God on Sunday and Wednesday, this is a place where they've heard that it's supposed to be joyful, right? It's supposed to be a happy time. This is a place where people have been set free from bondage, for crying out loud. This is a place where people were healed, and they're now walking where they used to couldn't walk. This is a place where people's eyes were open that have never been opened before. This is a place where somebody has been healed, right, from chest pains and, and possible heart attacks, Sister Linda. There you are. Amen. This is a place where people that used to couldn't walk, right on cue, amen, that now can walk, amen. Is that right? Is that right? This is a place where people are supposed to be dead and gone, Brother Michael and Sister Kelly, but right there they sit, amen. This is a, this is a place to come and thank God for it, amen, and to worship God. This is that place, Sister Lynn, who there's no way you should be here. But God said, yes, amen, and you're here, amen. You see what I'm saying? We could go on and on and on. We could point people out of here all day long. This is a place where we're supposed to come, right, and see people that are thankful for what God's done for them to the point that you can't keep them in their seat. You with me? This is where we come, just like the book of Nehemiah. They were to come together and worship God and thank Him for bringing them back into the house and restoring, right, his, his spirit with them. And they were to worship and praise. It's supposed to have been a time, man, of great celebration. It was supposed to last for an entire week. That's right. An entire week. We come to the house of God, and we're supposed to worship God for about an hour-ish, right? Worship God and praise Him. We can't even do it for an hour-ish, right? I love to hear people say, I... I can't go to that church because they're just too loud. <laughs> the music's too loud. Folks raising their hand and shouting, right? I've been in churches where, man, people said, I can't go there. People just running around everywhere, right, and shouting, and I don't understand it. The joy of the Lord, you'll never understand unless you get it, amen, unless you get it in your heart. These people used to run around the church till the bobby pins flew out. They weren't crazy. They were joyful, right? They had been delivered from something. Amen. They had been blessed beyond measure. Right? All of us are supposed to look like that person. Right? Sister Barbara Calvert, Brother Dwayne's grandmother, 
Man, she, she didn't care. She came to church to worship God. She didn't come there what you thought. Right? Many times I was hungry. And I'd say, well, we got through the service. Another five minutes, Sister Barbara, ain't, she, ain't top, she ain't cut loose yet. And then all of a sudden, and man, the Lord had hit her, and we'd be there another 30 minutes. <laughs> I didn't understand that at the time because I hadn't been delivered from what she'd been delivered from. She was a walking miracle. Had aneurysm, supposed to have been dead. You know what God done for her when the, when, when the, when the doctors and everybody else said she's going to die, she got aneurysm? He saved her, he sanctified her, and filled her with the Holy Ghost all at one time. Amen? Amen? On the way to the hospital. You see what I'm saying? She had something to worship him about. So when she got to church, buddy, she was worshiping from the time she came in until the time she left. And in the grocery store. And in the grocery store. Amen. I mean, you look up Sister Barbara's taking off through aisle nine. If you started talking to her about the Lord, she's going to run. Whether you went with her or not. Amen. She wasn't crazy. She was crazy about Jesus. Amen. You with me? Joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. And the Levites are looking at him like, uh, amen? Like maybe there was one word we left out that y'all supposed to be shouting and worshiping God. See, What's happened in Nehemiah's time, just like here, he had to have the Levites go back to him and tell him, hey, it's okay to worship God. He, he said, just go tell them, go eat, be merry, be excited, don't worry. You know, this is God's house. We're in the Father's house we just sung about, amen? amen. And he had to go tell them, it's okay to let your hair down. Amen? It's okay to have a good time in the Lord. And that's what I want to say to you. That's what God wanted me to say to you. It's okay to worship Him. It's okay to come to the house of God and say, praise the Lord. It's okay to say, hallelujah. It's okay to clap your hands, amen? It's okay to raise your hands. It's okay to run and shout for the Lord if it's the Lord. Amen? It's okay to do those things. If you've been set free by God, you don't need anybody to cheerlead you. Amen? I don't need anybody to cheerlead me. These folks here had been set free from bondage for crying out loud. A few days before that, they were working, getting beat because they were working hard enough. It was rough. And today they're sitting there enjoying this great meal, hearing the word of God in the freedom of their own town, and they couldn't even worship Him. They allowed that to control them, and they lost their joy. If we need anything in the church now... It's to be remembered, right? To be reminded, rather, of the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And to know it's okay to worship God. Amen? It's okay to worship God. We have something to thank Him for. Joy is knowing we are saved. That's what true joy is. Joy is knowing we are saved from eternal damnation and separation from God. I've told you before, you want to know what hell is? Hell is separation from God. Amen? We worry about flames and torment, but that is child's play to being separated from God. To feel that you have been, there is no hope, and that you don't, have, you don't feel love because God is love. When He separates Himself from you, you don't know love because He's love. Imagine not being loved by anybody. That's hell. Joy is knowing that we're saved. Joy is knowing that we have 
peace. As I said to you, that passes understanding. You're not going to understand it. You're not going to get it. You just know you got it. Amen? It's just, it's joyful. It's, it's not, somebody says, how are you holding it together? It's just God. That's the right answer. God. Joy is knowing we have protection. God said He would be our protector. Joy is knowing we will never be alone. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. God has us. Amen. He's got us in the palm of His hands. Some of us think He's squeezing the life out of us. But He's just holding you tight. If you truly love somebody, if you ain't seen them in a long time, what you going to do? I call it this. Juice them. You're going to juice them. Squeeze them. Is that right? You ain't just going to... I mean, you're going to put the lockdown on them, right? That's true love. Amen? Peace, providing, and protection. Joy is knowing that He is going to come back and receive us to Himself. True joy is knowing that, man, this life is tough, but oh, there's coming a day. Amen? When I know that we're going to be restored back to our former glory. See, this is where the children of Israel were right here. Nehemiah was, he was, it was torment to him to hear how awful it was and how the bondage that his people were in. <clears throat> but he had a blessed promise from God that all that was going to be okay. He knew it would because God showed it to him as he was praying, asking God to help him. And then he saw God begin to unfold things right before his eyes as the king began to grant him all these things. He knew that it was, it was tough now, but it was about to be good. All of us here today, if you don't have anything else to be joyful about, if you're saved, truly saved, we got something to be joyful for because as bad as it is here, it ain't going to be but a short period of time before Jesus is going to come back and call us home and then we'll be with Him forever in that heavenly place Amen. where there is no pain, sorrow, all those things that the Bible speaks of. No more sickness, no more none of that. Right? It's joy. It's coming. And I can assure you from what I read in the book of Revelation, it is not quiet. It is not a place of just oh. harps and angel whispers is not it. When you read this, it's lightnings and thunders and shouts of praise and adoration to God. Amen? Amen. If you don't like lights here, you're in trouble there. Lightnings and thunders. Amen. God is the master sound technician. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And the shouts of praise and adoration that will be going on in that place, you either join them or you ain't going to be there. Amen. Praising God and honoring Him. Joy is knowing that that day is coming. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, the Bible says this. Speaking of the joy of the Lord is our strength. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So who is the joy? Christ. The joy. The Christ. The Christ of the Lord. Christ means what? He is the Son of God. The promised Messiah. Amen? So the Jesus in my life is my joy. And my joy is my strength. Amen? And I can do all things through my joy who is Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Henceforth, I have joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Amen? 
when I know that and when I understand that if I've got Christ in my life, then I've got everything. That's true joy. Because I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Is that right? All things. Guys, gals, if Jesus is Lord of your life, man, be thankful. Be thankful. Be joyful. Be excited. Don't sit back and not talk about Jesus. If He's done something for you, tell somebody. Amen? Amen. Tell somebody. If He's done something for you, stand and worship Him. Praise Him. Honor Him. Glorify Him. Well, preacher, I just ain't built that way. Look, when Jesus gets a hold of your heart, whether you're flamboyant or whether you're really quiet, something's going to move. Amen? Let me ask you a question. Let's say you're the most meek person in the world. No emotion. I mean, somebody walks up and says, you just want a billion dollars. Here's your emotion. I mean, that was exciting for the right person. But if you have been, let's put it this way. Can't happen, but let's work with me. You died and didn't know Christ. The rich man, by the way, is not a parable in the Bible. The rich man, Lazarus, is a true story. The rich man didn't know Christ. The Bible said he lifted his eyes in hell. I would say to you, I think I can say that his happiness changed. His joy changed. One moment, he was happy as the world sees it. The next moment, his joy had been removed as God sees it. He's sitting down there and, and maybe put yourself in his shoes and he's looking up and he sees Abraham, God, right? As it says, the bosom of Abraham, type of the shadow of God. He looks up and Lazarus is being held and comforted by God in a peaceful place, paradise, if you will. Man, just beautiful. No pain, no suffering, nothing. Just being comforted by God. He, in his torment, in his agony, in his pain, is looking at that, and he cries out, what? Please send, please send Lazarus down here that he could dip his hand in his finger in water and touch my tongue, for I'm... He, said he was tormented with thirst, and he was just in such agony. Imagine if, if God would have reached down and picked him up out of that and said, oh, I'm going to... I'm going to forgive you of all your sins and I'm going to take you out of an awful place and I'm going to let you be up here with us. Now I want to ask you a question. Do you really think that the rich man, after experiencing hell, has been taken out of there and placed in heaven, which cannot happen? Don't go out here and misquote me. Right? If you leave this world, whatever, your, whatever the position of your soul is, where you're going to stay. Right? I'm just using this as a maybe if. And they take him out of there and now he's placed in this heavenly place. Do you think he's just going to say, well, thank you. Bless God. I would say to you, he's probably going to be running and shouting and jumping and thanking God and grabbing a hold of him and he won't just shut up. Right? Because he had been delivered from a terrible place. His excitement level, his joy is going to be unspeakable and full of glory. And that's exactly what happens to us when we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins. We are 
pulled up out of the miry clay. We are pulled up from the clutches of hell. We are all just a second away from leaving this world. And if we're not saved, we're a second away from lifting our eyes in hell as the rich man did. So when Jesus reaches down and grabs a hold of us and said, I forgive you and pulls you up out of that place, son, you know that's joy. Amen? And it's unspeakable and it's full of glory. Amen? That excitement that you felt when you gave your heart to God, stand to your feet and thank Him and praise Him. Amen? Because we don't have to face that. The church has got to become the church. I'm not talking about just hitting people over the head with doctrine. I'm talking about telling people that God loves them. Amen? And there's joy in Jesus Christ. There's happiness in Him. There's forgiveness of sins. There's salvation. There's healing, right? There's love in Christ. Teach the Word and love. Amen? That's what we need to be. Right? Be examples. What kind of example? Let people see how excited you are for what God... You want to draw people? Let them see the excitement in your life. Amen? Stand up and talk to people about what He's done and watch people be drawn to it. Your excitement level dictates... Their excitement level. Amen? My excitement level does. It's okay to worship the Lord. I want to end with this. How do you find true joy? I think it's found in an acronym with joy, J-O-Y, Jesus over you. Amen? We got to have Jesus over our desires. We got to lay aside our happiness and our wants for what He wants. And when we give our life for Him, and we say, Lord, I want you. I don't want the Rolex anymore, God. See, when I was a young man, my prayers were centered around what I really needed God to give to me to make me happy. Lord, I want you to bring me a great wife. I want kids. I want a nice house. I want a boat. I want a bunch of guns. I know that's taboo in the world we live today, but I still like them. I want a bunch of guns. You know, I want a big bank account. I want a good job. I want to be well-fed. Check. I want to be, right? I want all these things. It was always about what I wanted. My prayer was, God, I, God, I, God, I. Amen? And that's what brought me, I thought that's what would bring me happiness. God, I, 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 I. When I got a little bit older, not only in physically, but spiritually, I realized that my prayer shouldn't be God, I, it's God, you. Whatever you, right? Whatever you, God, you, God, you, God, you. Amen? And when we start understanding that and we put Jesus over you, right? Joy, Jesus over you, that's when you start experiencing true joy. Because, see, here's the thing I learned. I pray amiss for some things, but God always blesses with good things. The things that I'm asking for will bring me temporary happiness and joy, but what God offers will bring you everlasting joy. Amen? We just got to line it up right. If you're looking for true joy today, it must be Jesus over you. Amen? It has to be. And that's when you'll find it. Amen? Right then. Jesus over you. I want to pray with you here today.